0: Thanks for tuning in to another Clubhouse podcast, where we have candid and open conversations about mental health and anything related to it. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from one of the teens from our community who is passionate about mental health. Joining us today is Kenneth,
1: Mari, and myself, Jeannie. Hi, I'm Kenneth.
2: Hey, Kenneth. How are you? Hi, doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are, how are you doing?
2: We're doing great. So we know that you have a really important topic to talk about, and we know that you're really passionate about it. So why don't you tell us what it is and why why it's important to talk about it?
1: So the topic that I chose is internalized racism. And I think it's very important to talk about because um, a lot of people experience the same thing, but it's not really recognized, and it's not really openly. It, there's some stigma around it. So I think one of the one of the biggest ways that we can support each other is by talking about it and by hearing f- from one another and just connecting with each other over these experiences. OK, so
2: where do we start in talking about you know this topic that can seem really heavy at times? So what would be the first question you would ask people?
0: How about we just start with a little bit of introduction about us and why, I mean, why Kenneth is interested in this and why we are here to talk about it with her. Um, So just for context, um, I am half Chinese half white. So we when we're talking about growing up Asian, I mean, hi, how you doing? (laughs)
1: Um, Well, I'm both my parents are from Hong Kong. I'm full Chinese. Um, But my parents are pretty westernized, I would say. Um, They grew up in Canada. And so did I. Um, yeah, I feel like we so at home, um, my parents would speak Cantonese to each other, but um, my cousins and my siblings—I mean, <laughs> and my sibling and I—we all speak English to each other.
2: Uh, and I guess I'm one. Well, I'm, I'm not guessing, but <laughs> my introduction would probably be: um, I'm Filipino Chinese. I don't have a really strong connection to um, my Chinese heritage, um, mostly because um, most of a lot of my Chinese family is actually uh, in the Philippines, so a lot of the Chinese language isn't really part of um, things that we learned growing up. So even my mom doesn't speak. Um, she'll like speak a dialect of Chinese, but it's like the one that you would probably hear most Filipino Chinese people speaking.
0: So diverse, guys. Love that. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: I guess I'll start. My main, <laughs> The main question would be like, what as a Chinese Canadian person, what was it like growing up? And how do you think, you know, this kind of ties to talking about mental health?
1: Well, I think growing up, I was exposed to a lot of the media, for example, like um, TV shows and books and movies and things like that. Um, everything's very Westernized, a different culture, but I just kind of always grew up in it. And I feel like I never really realized because I've just always been so exposed to it I've never really realized how much I've internalized racism or how much I've internalized white supremacy with um, lack of representation in the media. Um, so as a child I've always just I looked up to like Disney princesses and like tv shows they were all white casts and I just felt like I never really i am I know a lot of um by POC people but I've never really had that same appreciation for people who weren't white, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So you dropped,
2: um, oh no, sorry, go, go ahead. You
0: go, you go ahead, go ahead. Oh no,
2: I, well, I just wanted to ask Kenneth, like, you know, you dropped the word internalized racism, but for our listeners who may not be um, familiar with the word, what does, what does internalized racism mean to you?
1: Um, I think it's just subconscious prejudice that we, that I, Well, I'm a person of color, but I still internalize um, stereotypes and certain, um, how do I say this? Like, I still look down upon my culture and of people who aren't white. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just going to say, like, I kind of just internalize white supremacy, even though I'm not white, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you felt
2: like a sense of shame (laughs) Sorry, Janine. So you felt like a sense of shame connected to, you know, being Chinese and a culture and or a society that um, puts white people um, and white principles above other cultures.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
2: for sure. So Janine, what were you saying?
0: I was just gonna say that that, um, that idea of like almost being like ashamed of your culture or like not valuing your culture as much just makes me think of like the very um common thing i hear from different pocs about like when they would bring like a cultural lunch to school and then they would see like all the other kids like have like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they would you know go home and tell their mom don't send me you know this anymore to school like can't i just be like all the other kids and like have a sandwich so like that's something that i've heard a lot and like i've even experienced which is, okay, this is kind of weird because, like I said, I'm half white, half Chinese. And then for elementary school, everyone in my class was East Indian. So, like, there were no white people in general. So, like, <laughs> which, I don't know, I feel weird saying that. But, like, <laughs> I, I grew up in Surrey. Like, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, even then, like, it wasn't so much, um, like, even all my classmates, like, even though they were quote unquote the majority in that room a lot of them didn't want to bring like their own culture to the classroom like they would still want you know white lunches or anything which is i thought it was really interesting because like none of us were just like a a white dude you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i feel like that's a very classic experience that everyone has and i it's, it shouldn't be normalized, like that shouldn't be an okay thing to experience as a child, it's very traumatic, and it's very detrimental to your self esteem and to your mental health, but I feel like we all just kind of experience that because we're exposed to society's expectations of what your life should look like. Mm hmm.
2: I had to pause because I was just thinking about experiences, like especially the food one, because I love my food. And so, you know, growing up in a family where my mom would like cook a lot of um, like Filipino foods that I have learned to love like at home, those were sometimes things that I couldn't bring to um, school because I was worried that it, like would smell weird or just like look we- looks weird. Um, not that I would like... Not that I would tell my mom, like, oh, don't make me things like that. I would just be, like, reluctant to, you know, bring it out of my lunch bag or, like, show that I'm eating it or something like that. That, Mm -hmm. Like, to me, that's an example that I was thinking of. Um, That's so sad.
1: Like, our parents work so hard and, like, we all just... It makes me so sad.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, like, I think it's just weird to me. Like, I find that something that I have, that I thankfully haven't had to worry about, especially growing up. Like, it's just weird to me that kids especially have to be the ones facing like that huge, you know, internal um, shame that they have to bring their own food. I haven't been ashamed to bring my own food. I'm just like, the food at the food at work is it, doesn't taste that great. I'm just gonna bring my noodles from home. Or something like, that. No, it's that like was oh. shady. <laughs> oh, I hope they don't listen to this. This is that's just like a, a fake example. Don't worry, but
1: like, <laughs> fake example. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh so
2: yeah.
1: On the topic of family connections, um, I feel like growing the cultural difference has been really a significant part of my family connect we don't really talk about it but I feel like it does impact our family a lot like because like I said um as soon as my cousins and my sister and I started going into school we just all stopped speaking Cantonese and now I can I can I can understand it I can understand like basic words but I cannot reiterate it and I cannot like speak it or write write Chinese or like Mm -hmm. read it um and it's really hard sometimes because I feel like I don't really have that connection. But I'm also, like, I don't fit into typical westernized standards either. So it's really hard to have that kind of barrier.
0: Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I, I relate to that as well with, like, okay, being mixed already, identity crisis. But um, growing up, like, we were always, I guess you could say we were raised, more Chinese than white like maybe it just happened that way I don't know if that was like their plan to like raise us in Chinese culture or whatever but um, yeah my mom's whole family lives in um, Vancouver area so all like all my cousins we've spent a lot of time together Um, my mom even sent like my brother and I to Chinese school for a while and like she would speak it to us at home and my dad was always like, what is happening? (laughs) But yeah, so she would, she really, she tried, she did. Um, But yeah, over the years, she kind of just like, let it drop. So that like, now I can probably say like, four words in Cantonese, you know, Um, I really don't know much anymore. And like, same with my cousins. Um, And it was really, I think, when my mom and I, like, mainly talked about it was just recently actually because um, my grandma like my mom's mom recently passed away last month and she was my Chinese grandma um, she knew absolutely no English so when my mom and I we were like trying to organize the service and like stuff and she my mom was like telling me things about her I was like oh like all these things that I didn't know because I couldn't speak to her you know and it's kind of just me and my cousins we had this moment we are like that's Like, that's so weird in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I guess, like, kind of sad that, like, even though you have grown up with this and grown up with these people, you have no idea because
1: you just have that cultural barrier, Mm -hmm. you know. I relate to that so, so much. Um, I feel like it's so sad because it's not our fault. I mean, it's not my fault that I, like, internalize racism because that's just how I was raised. Like, that's what society tells us. And it's not not like I consciously want it. Well, well, I mean, as a result of societal pressure, I feel like it's not like I just came out of the womb and was like, oh, I hate myself.
0: <laughs> That's <was laughs> so sad That's a child. I know.
1: It's actually so sad because I feel like, um, like white supremacy literally, ugh, I'm going to, I'm going to cry, but what's new? Um... <clears throat> I feel like white supremacy kind of stole the connection that I could have had with my grandparents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know that when I have a family and like my future kids, they won't have any connection to their culture because I don't have any connection to my culture.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I now I kind of feel bad for kind of saying this, but like, I think my experience has been a little bit different because I, was born in the Philippines and so when I moved here to uh, Vancouver the le- the first language that I learned was English anyway so it wasn't um too much of a huge shift for me and I actually learned Tagalog which is the Filipino like la- the Filipino language as I started getting older and I think it was weird because I remember being really adamant about learning it but then my parents would Always talk in it like they were very firm about like me learning it at some point or um they fostered like this genuine curiosity in me about like what does this word mean and so finally I've come to a point in my life where I can actually have like a little bit of you know a little bit misgrammar here and there but I can hold like fairly long conversations with um natural speakers of Tagalog. And I think that's brought me closer with my family, for sure, because um, you know, I could have been othered because like, oh, he doesn't speak. Um, he doesn't speak Tagalog or anything. But um, now I'm now in con- now in like family, family friend reunions or um, at family get togethers, like I can be part of the conversation in a way that I that some of my other cousins can't. But I know that you know, my experience is different from my cousin's experience. So my cousin is half white, half Filipino. And that's even like, oh yeah, so half white, half Filipino. I thought she was less, like a quarter Filipino, but she's she half Filipino. But I know she like, she tells me like, oh, Mari, I wish, I wish I was part of your family because my parents never learned, like my dad never learned Tagalog or like my grandparents didn't feel the need to um, teach us because they thought it was a useless language and you know we can talk about it more later but it's because of experiences that her grandparents have had when they moved to the states like years ago um, and that's something that we my family hasn't had to hasn't had the misfortune of experiencing.
0: It just gets passed down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's really good to hear.
0: It's nice to know it's not all the same. <laughs> You're not doomed <laughs> yeah. if you are. Asian growing up in a different country, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. And one other experience that I had, it, I've always had, I feel like every kind of like Chinese family sends their kids to Chinese school and then the kids are like, I don't want to learn it. I don't know. I just, I've never really, I I like didn't want to learn it even though I knew it would be so helpful. And I would like, I just-
0: Did you go to Chinese
1: school? I did, but then I just like did not learn anything. my mom was like, well- I relate. <laughs> <let's stop." laughs> yeah. When we, when
0: we went to Chinese school too, like the teacher didn't even speak English, and we were like, "Well, we can't speak Chinese." <laughs> so oh my gosh, it was, it was not gonna work.
1: <laughs> That's
2: so funny. Uh, part of me wishes I went to. Well, like my mom wouldn't have been able to teach me Chinese because that dialect isn't really widely used unless you're like you happen to meet another Filipino Chinese person who speaks the same dialect. But yeah, it was. She didn't grow up speaking like Mandarin or Cantonese. Yeah. Well, I would have I loved that, that challenge. <laughs> no, it's okay. Sorry. I was just gonna say I would have loved to have that challenge of
0: like
2: oh. trying to learn Mandarin, <laughs> I'll I'll give you my old workbooks if you want. Oh,
0: <laughs> I think I still have mine too. They're oh. in my the closet. I still have mine. Yeah. All I know. Well, don't, don't look at them. Yeah. All I, I took away from that are like the numbers, so I can play uh, mahjong. That's it.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um. I feel like sometimes I, this is a subconscious thing that I've kind of always done, but I don't really recognize it until recent, recently, but I feel like I, even when I, and for the little part of Cantonese that I do know, or like Chinese culture that I do know, and that I am familiar with, I feel like I pretend that I don't know it to get white approval. So I don't seem like too, too
0: Asian or whatever, but. are like the people around you, like, are they mainly... Also Chinese or are you saying like they're mostly white because like I mean, based on what you're saying, I, I want to assume that they're not Chinese, but also I know that like maybe they also all have these same internalizations and maybe they're projecting it onto
1: you. Um, I actually have quite a mixed friend group. (laughs) We're really very diverse, but I feel like it's just like with the media and with social media, especially and just everything that we've been exposed to, they all have the exact same experiences. Like, we're literally, like, all Chinese, but, like, we all experience this exact same thing. Um, When I tell my friends about my experiences and how I feel and if I'm feeling down, they're just kind of, like, not surprised. They're like, yeah, like, we all do that. Like, we all experience that. It's so sad. Like, it shouldn't be a normal thing that we all experience. Are you kidding me? Like, it's so detrimental to mental health. And it makes you feel so bad about yourself. But we just all kind of, like, accepted it. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, like, my middle name... I don't tell anyone my middle name because it's not like a Westernized middle name. I don't know. I've always been like kind of embarrassed of it. And I still to this day, like no one knows my middle name and I'm working on loving it. And I like I'm taking steps to like be more comfortable with it. But it's just really hard.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I can say like I feel going to school now, especially in my in my advanced age. No, um, I was gonna say amongst like other people, and especially in a place, you know, in, in like schools where there are a lot of international students, I can definitely say that I think people are a little bit more, I don't say respectful is what I is the word that I'm looking for. But I feel like people don't share that need to conform to, like, white standards as much. So like, I think we do, I think people do still treat, um, I think people at least that I know haven't been treated badly for speaking a different language um, and they haven't feel forced to like change their name, but I obviously don't know like how that's impacted their ability to find work because we know that people have, have a harder time finding work if their names are harder to read or harder to pronounce. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely I've seen more people using like more, like they're like they're they're real names and not just anglicized names that like Michelle versus like I don't know, what's another a name that I've heard like yeah, like you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like they've had they haven't felt the need to be like, oh my my name's like Xiaobing, but my Asian my like my my English, English name is yeah. like Elizabeth or something like that. So I yeah, feel like for it's,
1: sure.
2: Yeah. I don't know if that was helpful to like interject mm-hmm. but I just noticed that was just an observation that I've had yeah like going to school now
1: it's a very common thing that you see I feel like it's all because of the media and like lack mm-hmm. of representation and how they portray people who aren't white and like the stereotypes that every single character in tv shows or whatever mm-hmm. it's always a side character they always conform to those cultural stereotypes they're so harmful and they're mm-hmm. not true at all but like yeah the media just makes it seem like we're outsiders if that makes sense mm-hmm. they they deviate um white people as the norm even though that's not true like they're literally like people can can be of color and be i don't Normal. know yeah like i don't i don't get it, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense um i remember talking about eurocentric beauty standards um i've always like wanted to erase my Asian features that's so sad to say oh uh I love my genes but I like when I put for example when I played games I was to do this in another podcast I and this person said this and I was like I did that too but um when you play like a video game or something and you have like an, a little person to like an avatar or whatever mm-hmm. um I always chose the blonde character with blue eyes <laughs> but I don't look like that <laughs> that's that's <laughs> literally not what I look like at all. Um, but I've always, I've always, like, was kind of in awe of people with blonde hair and blue eyes.
2: Where, where do you think that idea of like your like those Anglo-Saxon features of or Aryan features um, of blonde hair, blue eyes, kind of came into play? And how did you recognize that as being like problematic or affected your self-esteem or
1: self-image? Mm-hmm. I definitely think it came from, like, Disney princesses. Mm. Um girl, I don't blame my parents or, like, how I was raised because that's just kind of, like, everyone. It was just kind of the universal. We all looked up at Disney princesses. We all watched, like, Disney <laughs> Channel, stuff like that. Only white people with, like, blonde hair and blue eyes. I don't know. I, I just remember being in awe of, like, my white friends as a child. Well, still probably subconsciously to this day, but as a child I remember one of my white friends this is like in grade five question mark I don't know I don't really remember but I was a young child but one of my white friends like we were talking and then she just said she called another like Chinese person in our school pretty and this white friend had blonde hair and blue eyes and I was like oh, did you really just call like a Chinese person pretty when you look like that like it's so sad I was like how could they think that someone else is pretty when they literally perfectly match society's beauty standards. Mm -hmm. But back then I just, I was just like, how could they say that when they're like more beautiful in a way? That is. Which is not true. It's so sad. Yeah. It's like, oof, that hit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
2: For sure. I think like, like, I like how you mentioned like Disney princesses, especially because I feel like, um, you know, especially in the early eras of the Disney princess lineup, completely mostly white and then you see like the second generation of disney princess a little bit more diversity but like very standalone like we're talking about mulan we're talking about pocahontas which in itself was problematic but um who else
1: all of the people all of the disney princesses that aren't white are just so problematic Mm -hmm. like they all like princess and the frog literally 75 percent of the movie you're an animal, like yeah. Quest, uh, what? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not representation. I feel yeah. like it's so performative. Like mm-hmm. the live action Mulan, white people literally colonize that. There, yeah. not a single Chinese person was on that. I don't know. Ugh. Yeah, I know that was so sad because, like, I when I was growing up, that's the
0: only Disney movie I mm-hmm. watched. Like yeah. literally the only Disney I ever watched was Mulan, like on repeat because that's all we had. <laughs> like, our VHS, yeah, like but we had one and that was Mulan, <laughs> so that's all I watched. Um, oh my gosh, so yeah. I mean, and then when I found out about all the other Disney Princes, I was like, <laughs> I was like, there's more. Our VHS could never, <laughs> I wish it did, but it did not. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, and like, I also feel like um, society accentuates Eurocentric features. In- Things like for example snapchat filters Mm. your eyes are bigger you have like fuller eyelashes like your face is slimmer like i feel like every everywhere it's kind of even in the beauty community everything that we do is kind of to line up with okay i I say beauty community but it's like makeup like people just call it the beauty community but beauty so subjective but they use terms such as like asian lashes as an insult they're like oh my asian lashes like could never like i have to wear false that like What's wrong with having not long eyelashes, I don't know the whole like monolid
0: debate too
1: Oh my goodness. oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: that's a whole nother can of worms. Um.
1: <laughs> I know are we gonna talk about it if, if I can I can share my experience. You can
0: contribute and... to it. I don't have monolids so I can't comment on it but I've just heard mm-hmm. some things floating around yeah. at the, the MUA
1: community. That's a that's a whole nother. So mm-hmm. I feel like everyone with monolids experiences this. Well, I have. Okay, it depends. I don't really know what my eyes are because I sometimes I have two double eyelids. Sometimes I have one. Sometimes I have two monolids. Like it's just my eyes are. I don't know. I, like I feel like some we just wake up and then it's just like oh you just see what you get.
0: Changes <laughs> with the days. <laughs>
1: I know. But um, I, I heard this from other people too, but. When they wake up and they have like two double eyelids like you always like it's a, such a an accomplishment you're like oh today's gonna be a good day because i have two double eyelids it oh sounds so stupid but that's literally like how that's literally how it works like it's so sad mm-hmm. um and there's things like a lot of i know a lot of people want to get like eyelid surgery and stuff like that just to fit in that's a huge like
0: market for plastic surgery yeah. it's crazy
1: well beauty standards only exist because businesses want to sell us products to make us change our appearances it's all goes back to capitalism <laughs> i know so they can profit off of our freaking insecurities that they make us have with mm-hmm. advertising with media
0: very true it's so it's so weird the beauty standards thing like it thinking really about it like sense. even when i was in high school like in high school i my friend group was mainly um white people just I went to school in my rock like again expected. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was friends with a lot of white people and some of them would say like they would all like to have these um, debates on whether I looked Asian or if I looked white, which in itself, like that's a whole thing, but like some of them would make comments about like how, like, me being mixed, I like quote unquote get like the best of both worlds. They're so, like, Oh, yeah, you like you look white, but like you have like the brains of an Asian person. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, the audacity, the audacity to say that honestly. <laughs> like, I, I remember that moment so distinctly because I was literally like, What am I supposed to say to this? Like, thank you. Are you saying that? <laughs> like, yeah, like if I looked more Asian, would we say that's the worst of both? (laughs) I'm like, what? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like now that I am more aware that it's not ideal to, like, not, like, to be embarrassed of your culture, I feel like it's almost worse in a way, if that makes sense. Like, I've, I've grown so much, and, like, now I'm able to recognize it, which is a good thing, but I feel like within, especially within these past few months, um, I don't know how to say this, I don't feel like I'll ever be able to fully reverse. Hopefully I will. Okay, I'm not going to say that. I feel like it's really, it's going to be really hard to fully reverse my internalized white supremacy. But I feel like, I don't know how to say this without making it too sad. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm literally going to cry, but who saw that coming? No one. Well, <laughs> But I feel okay wait come back to me I need
2: to think how to say it Mari no I just no um I think it's really I really enjoy hearing other people's thoughts on it because obviously I can't I come from a place of privilege about those experiences like that's not something that I've had to experience myself but that's not to say that other people aren't experiencing it and it's um, and I definitely want to validate other people's experiences too. Just because I haven't personally experienced it doesn't mean it's not real, right? So I appreciate that, you know, Kenneth has been t- talking about it and, um, you know, kudos to her for sharing her story and her experiences as well.
1: Um, I feel like what I was trying to say before was that, um, I feel like by recognizing my internalized prejudice and being becoming so aware of it, I realize how much it comes up in my life. It's almost become worse in a way because I'm just like breaking my own heart every time I feel like I wish I were white or whatever. Cause I know it's wrong and I know I shouldn't be thinking that way, but I feel like it's like betraying myself cause I don't want to think that way, but I just do. And now I know like where it comes from but I still think that way. Like it doesn't just go away, you know? But acknowledging it is the first step.
2: Mm -hmm. I know so um now that you've recognized all of these like recurring themes do you still like do you still have trouble embracing your background
1: would you oh, say oh yeah. yeah oh yeah like I feel like I feel like now I'm just aware of it honestly I think I am improving I think I am learning to because the fact that I'm aware of it and the fact that I'm taking this effort to stand up for myself and to stand up for my like who I am even though I might not like be able to consciously embrace it and like be proud of it I feel like I'm on the way I'm taking the steps in the right direction because before I it was just kind of like a normal thing but now I realize it shouldn't be normalized we all go through this I mean most people go through this I don't want to speak for everyone but um it's just really sad and I feel like it needs to be talked about more
2: Mm. I I, and I think like one of the important things too is that recognizing that as Asians, we're only one of the, the other groups of people in the world who experiences like this internalized shame just for being, you know, rooted in culture. So like Indigenous people always have things from their culture, to, you know, their land has been taken away, their culture has been taken away. And so that's one group. And the same thing applies to Black people, um, you know, in America, in Canada, anywhere in the world. And, and they can't also be fully themselves or embrace themselves or have the potential because there are so many of these structural determinants that are lessening their opportunities to be like authentic and um, embrace their culture in a meaningful way that's not like you know yeah try oh trying to be palatable for um, western representation
1: and it's so frustrating because I know that like Some white people are, like, trying their best or whatever. They're trying their best to be, like, anti-racist. But, like, I'm just so sick of hearing excuses. It's so exhausting. Are you kidding me? Like, for example, last year in socials, I only learned about freaking white colonizers taking the land. I didn't didn't learn about, like, a single Indigenous person. I mean, I did, but only because they signed the treaty with the white person. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember anything about that. But they, people... I feel like our education system is so corrupt, too. And that's like, for example, when I was in elementary school, we learned to like, be proud of to be Canadian. I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like, go too deep into that. But now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm seeing Canada. When I think of Canada, I don't think of like, poutine. And like, (laughs) and yeah like beavers like i don't think of that i think of systemic racism i think missing and murdered indigenous women i think of residential schools like i don't think of freaking whatever we were taught like i don't know the stereotypes that like igloos what is that like tim hortons what is that i feel like my mindset has just changed so much and i'm proud of myself for that because it's really hard to do that and you
0: should be proud of yourself, I mean, like, even, I know, okay, I'm gonna sound old when I say this, I'm not that old, but, like, seeing, like, the younger generation, and, like, how, like, they've become so much more aware about these things than, like, compared to even, like, my age group, like, I feel like you younger, younger folks, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're not that me,
0: older than I am! I know, I, see, I, I told you I was gonna sound old when I say this, but, like, even for that little difference in age, like I see such a difference in like mentality, you know, like mm-hmm. I find that people are like way more willing to talk about this and m- way more willing to like confront themselves mm-hmm. about what biases they may have taken on, like from culture and systems and stuff. And I just think that's really, I think that's, I don't know, it's refreshing and mm-hmm. I it makes me happy to see that, you know,
1: like it's very bittersweet because I, I, s- I've never re- this i've never really experienced this in my life but these past few months i've just been having emotional breakdowns at night just like being mad at myself for not being white like i don't know i'm not i am not going to sugarcoat it like i call myself whitewashed to help my to help me like accept myself and love myself more um I'd be like oh i kind of fit in you know like <laughs> but it's just everything is just so normalized and it should not be that way like i remember the morning after i woke up and i opened up my like Spotify, and I just could not, I just could not listen to music, because I just looked at all the artists that I listened to, they're all white, mm-hmm. and like, well, mostly, thank you, Lizzo, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Lizzo, by the way, but um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I opened up my Netflix, and it's all, like, I didn't see a single person who wasn't white on the covers of, mm-hmm. the, and I feel like we just, We're so used to that, but every single time we see that, we should be like, hey, that's not how it should be, but it's everywhere, you can't escape it. So I feel like it's just kind of accepted, but it shouldn't be accepted. I feel like now I'm kind of numb to that. It's just like the emotional exhaustion just comes in waves sometimes.
2: Any thoughts on how to, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, all of these things that we experience in society, how, where do we start in terms of, like, for people, other people who are struggling, how can we help other people on this sort of self-reflection and on this journey?
0: That's a big question. <laughs> how do we solve the world's problems?
1: Uh, for me, it starts with personal relationships. Okay, this is going to get sad again. <laughs> but I feel like now that I am more sensitive to microaggressions and things like that, I feel like I just distance myself from some relationships which I mean it's a good thing because I don't want to surround myself with those kind of people anyway but I feel like there is a distance when people cannot talk about race because it is part of my identity and the fact that you like you have the privilege to dismiss it it's just so frustrating um, sometimes you gotta snip snip you know <laughs> yeah or just be careful of my emotional boundaries and just mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not hurting myself by engaging in whatever yeah
0: yeah, I feel a lot of it even beyond people you surround yourself with, but also checking yourself and like when you have those moments of it is as blatant as like, I wish I were white or I wish I looked more like them or something like that you, I think is important that you recognize that and you take a second, and you're like, okay, but why am I thinking this? Like, like literally just why, like, where did this come from? And why do I, why am I talking to myself like this? Why am I, you know, why am I allowing mm-hmm.
1: the... the the white the white supremacists to win (laughs) you know I know and the thing is like I do I do try to do that but it doesn't work I don't know how to say this but when I think about that I'm just like I can't stop myself from feeling this way like even though Mm -hmm. I know where it comes from like I don't want the colonizers to win I don't want (laughs) but I I just I just feel like like I said I feel like I'm betraying myself Mm mm-hmm because I, I preach all this, but I don't, I'm not able to like follow through with my actions and with my thoughts.
0: It's not an easy solution, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> definitely not an
2: easy solution. I think another way too is like um, find supports and approach, I guess, approach like mentors or um, mm-hmm. leaders in your community, whatever community that may be of, that you can not I guess lean on for support and advice about how to be a person in this kind of, in this kind of world so like I remember having this conversation with one of my professors who is one of the few like female faculty members and not only that female faculty members of color so, like literally the whole department is like white Um, and so she like you know someone had asked her like how do you you know, how do you deal with that being one of the few white, uh, sorry, few faculty members of color, you know, and she said, like, one of the things that I love to do is to mentor people who are not, who, who are of color, um, and showing them that there is a way that they can have representation, in and acad- at least in the academic setting, um, obviously, you know, other other settings are, you know, that's, an, that's another battle on its own. But at least in academia, just being able to recognize that there are people who can be successful and can be um, really great mentors in those fields.
1: So. Oh, I'm gonna, if, my, if any of my teachers are watching this, I don't know if I would tell you or not, but um, if you're watching this, that means you've probably helped me with this kind of journey. And I don't know, my teachers have really like, inspired me i'm thinking of these specific teachers i know you know who you are if you're listening to this <laughs> we love a shout out <laughs> i'm not gonna say their names because i don't know but um you i feel like it's really meaningful to see someone who you relate to and someone who looks like you who've shared your experiences for them to be there and to can to see them like showing up every single day just standing up for themselves and speaking out and teaching others to love themselves and it's just so inspiring and I really appreciate that and my friends and teachers who continue to support me and who continue to bring up these conversations because that's what we need right now I feel like that's just one of the best lessons that you can learn because it just it if you love yourself it just goes into everything <laughs> so wholesome oh <laughs>
2: Any final thoughts as we start to wrap up this episode.
1: Um if there's anyone listening to this who can re- who, who can relate to our struggles, I just want to say um I'm proud of you and you're never alone. And it's people like you who continue to inspire me to show up and to keep on fighting until I love my culture until I am able to embrace it without embarrassment. Just know that your feelings are valid, but you deserve self-love no matter what. And the journey is not linear. Growth is imperfect, and that's the most beautiful part of it, in my opinion. Like, I still I still have emotional breakdowns because I, I don't like my culture, but I, it makes me stronger. It makes me stronger. And I go to school and I see my teachers – they're not even my teacher. I don't know even their classes. Okay, now you really know who you are if you this. But um, I, I see like their classes and everything that they have, their signs in their class and like put their pronouns next to their name and stuff like that. It's just so reassuring that there are people who are passionate about this and who want to make a change and stuff like that. We, it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Like this cannot continue to happen. It's not okay. Hopefully our generation, I have faith in Gen Z. See, (laughs) it's not just me. (laughs) Gen Z is literally something different. Like we have TikToks, (laughs) like TikTok is something else. (laughs) I know you have TikTok too, but like, (laughs) we got this everyone.
2: (laughs) Awesome. Well, that was a really um, great episode, really great discussions about like how society and how culture or suppression of culture rather um, can really impact mental health. So I really want to thank, um, Kenneth for being on this episode, um, and sharing her experiences and, um, telling people to love themselves and be uh, unapologetically love their culture. So thank you so much to Kenneth. Any final words, Janine?
0: It was so nice to have you.
1: (laughs) It was so nice to have this conversation because we need to talk about it more. And I feel like we're just all in this together, you know? It's just We're so all heartwarming. This together. Exactly. Just...
0: I'm gonna get copyrighted.
2: And <laughs> that's, uh, that's where we cut. <laughs> that's so thank where you. we cut. So thank you so much to everyone. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode.
1: Bye. <laughs>